Welcome to the Tiwahanga Infrastructure for a Better Future podcast, a series where we talk to experts both from here and overseas about the infrastructure challenges we are facing. The episodes focus on the key areas of Rautaki Hanganga o Aotearoa, New Zealand's infrastructure strategy. Find out more about the strategy at strategy.tiwahanga.govt.nz. Well, we're here to uh, talk about how to spend less time queuing on uh, urban asphalt and how uh, congestion charging m- might help us do that. Of course, the idea of congestion charging is nothing new. Uh, it was first proposed in 1954 by Nobel laureate William Vickery, who suggested that a time of day charge would, among other things, help move people out of peak congestion periods and make better use of the network during uncongested times. Researchers that came after argued that it could also help eliminate low-value travel, move people onto public transportation, incentivise carpooling, reduce carbon emissions and delay costly investment that we would otherwise need to build for the peak. To me, congestion charging has sort of forced us to grapple with this idea that the how we pay for transportation infrastructure can be as much or more important than the how much we pay. But despite a strong technical consensus on the issue, almost 70 years later, just a handful of cities have implemented congestion charging. The list of cities that have tried seems to get longer, and New Zealand forms part of this list. Te Wahanga, the New Zealand Infrastructure Commission, recently listed congestion charging as one of the key shifts in Rotaki Hanganga o Aotearoa, the New Zealand Infrastructure Strategy. And the Commission follows a long line of studies that had recommended the same, the most recent of which is known as the Congestion Question, a study which was a joint effort by numerous institutions, including Auckland Transport, Auckland Council, uh, NZTA, MOT, the New Zealand Treasury and the State Services Commission. So we know that implementation is hard, which brings us to Stockholm. Stockholm introduced congestion charging in 2007 and was one of the first cities to do so. And it's a fascinating story of changing public perceptions, where, as far as I can tell, success was far from inevitable. In 2005, a year before a city trial, the head of of the congestion charging office famously laid down his cards, albeit in secret, saying that congestion charging is, quote, the most expensive way ever devised to commit political suicide, end quote. He had good reason. In the months before the trial, just 3% of all newspaper articles on the topic were positive and two-thirds of the public were not in favour. After congestion charging, uh, congestion pricing was introduced, public sentiment changed significantly. The policy had worked almost immediately. Traffic across the cordon fell by around 20% and congestion reduced by some 30-50%. to 50%. William Vickery would have given a standing ovation. A day after the policy was introduced, the headline on the front page of the city newspaper read, one in every four cars disappeared, and a picture of a heavily congested road the day before the policy and a free-flowing one the day after. The percentage of newspaper articles with a positive angle increased to 42%, and six years after the charge was introduced, uh, public approval strengthened to some 72%. It is a quite dizzying turn around in public sentiment. And to help us understand this, we're incredibly fortunate to have Gustav Landahl, who has been the head of department at the city of Stockholm for some 27 years. There is perhaps no one better place to speak to Stockholm's experience on congestion charging. 
and I believe we have nabbed him on his uh, very last week before reti retirement. So, um, Gustav, let me just say it's a real pleasure to have you here, and, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Just uh, a first question, you know, I'll just put it straight to you. You know, how did how did Stockholm manage to pull this off? Well, I said many. I've seen that many cities have uh, discussed it, as you said. Many cities have also had uh, referendums about introducing, like Edinburgh. They had a referendum, should we introduce congestion charging? And of course, people are afraid of change, so they voted no. But we did the other way around. We tried it first. <clears throat> and the trial was successful. First of all, it worked technically very well. We had the optical license plate recognition system, which optically checked who drew through, sent that information to the uh, to the um, the number plate agency, who could identify the the car owner, and then that went to the Internal Revenue Service, who made a tax decision. This this went very technically well. In the trial, we also had transceivers or, or on, on the cars to see if, if, if that was necessary, but these were obsolete after the trial. But anyway, the technical part worked very well. Of course, in new techniques, there, there can be difficulties, but this worked very well from day one. Mm -hmm. So people were positive with that. It was easy. All the information before had, had made it also work very well and people felt secure with it. Second of all, there were some reinforcements of the public transport system because we saw if people don't use their cars, they need to go more by public transport. So these were in place from the beginning of the trial as a way of supporting the trial. And then we also introduced some more park and ride facilities, which weren't used as much, but they also helped a bit. So, technically it worked well, it was well prepared, and um, those who drove a car, they could drive much quicker. So they became positive as well because the congestion went down. Those who went by public transport could go quicker with the buses. Those who lived in the inner city had less noise, better air quality, so they felt the improvements as well. But as you said, before that, the the opinion in the polls was negative. If we had voted and had that, uh, we, we have uh, our, our referendums are not decisive. They are like recommendations for the policies. Mm -hmm. But if they had followed the recommendation and had a, a referendum before, we would never have introduced it. This referendum was uh, in conjunction with the uh, normal uh, uh, annual or the fourth year voting process where we go both vote for parliament for for the region and for the local municipality the the party that won the uh, the election on the local level was the conservatives with the coalition they were against congestion taxation and they had said they don't want this. They went out and discussed that before the election. Uh, so the poll after the trial said, uh, no, the, the uh, referendum after the trial said, 
we want to keep this in place. People wanted to, to continue with congestion taxation. The party that won the majority in the local parliament in the city, they were against it. So it took them like a week, 10 days to sort of figure out should they stick to what they had gone out saying before the elections or should they follow the referendum? Mm. And they decided to follow the referendum. Was it a surprising result when I think that the number was 54% in favor um, after yeah, the, it, the trial? Was that somewhat of a surprise? For them, maybe it was a surprise, uh, but it, we, we saw during the trial, of course, there were polls done all the, all the time by, by these institutes that check people's feelings. And we saw that was getting a very a close shave between the two different views. Um, so you, you, we didn't know really what the, what the outcome would be. It was a narrow uh, referendum pro continuing this. Hmm. Hmm. So, but, but we couldn't know, of course. But I'd say, so there were two things. One is people are often very awkward to change. It's like when you work with city planning, people don't want you to build something. Of course, we need more residential areas, but not in my backyard. NIMBY, they call that, not in my backyard. Uh, so people don't want change and uh, people are afraid of change. But if you try something in a pilot uh, project first, this was a full scale pilot project, so it cost a lot, but it, it worked as well. If you try it first and then check afterwards, I think you, you can get a much... People have a better possibility to really understand what it is and understand the, both the virtues and the problems. Hmm. So in this case, when it worked very well technically and the effects were very positive in many ways, people did accept it. And, and the effects the, of... Um, oh, sorry, carry on. <laughs> Oh, and and but the the uh, the the um, referendum was for the people living in in Stockholm. If we had asked if the referendum had also included uh, very many living out in the far suburbs that sometimes commute into the inner city using their cars, they were not as positive to the results. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, but of course the people in Stockholm saw more positive results since they got the much better air quality and the noise reduction. It has to do also with the design of the area where you ask the people, is it the people mostly affected and getting the positive parts as well, or do you ask everyone in the whole region? Or, But here it was the people living in the municipality of Stockholm, which in the inner part of the municipality of Stockholm which is a lot larger area than London's congestion charging. It's, we have a larger area in our congestion taxation zone. Uh, that area was uh, it had a very positive effect. And that's why the people did vote okay. as they did. Okay, and, and can you speak a little bit to, um, to how the effects or the, the um, public sentiment and, and backing of the policy has changed over time? Because this is now sort of 15 years ago, I suppose. Well, after that, the uh, people have become 
more and more used to it. So, of course, the, the public opinion has been more and more positive as, as the time goes by. When we did introduce it, it was a very rather low fee or charge compared to like London. I think they started with five pounds. We started with something equivalent to like three US dollars, which is less than half of London's. Uh, but then after some years, we saw we needed more money for building more infrastructure, both for public transport and for some ring roads. So then we could also int uh, raise the level like 30 to 45 Swedish crowns per passage. So, um, the, and that had hardly any any people against it. So people were not complaining about that change in the, in the cost. And we also it, introduced another is segment. It was, um, is that because it was uh, proposed to be spent on, on public infrastructure and, and, and citizens sort of understood the value of that public infrastructure? Probably, but mm. also that once the congestion taxation was in place, the amounts were not the big issue. And still the amounts are rather low compared to like, it's less than what it costs for parking for two hours in Stockholm. So if you take the maximum fee in rush hour, it's, it's less than two hours parking. So it's still... Uh, and what you can see is in London, they got a reduction by about 20% of the traffic flow or the, uh, in Stockholm, we got the same effect at a much lower fee. Right. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that some 20% don't really need to drive into the congestion taxation or congestion charging zone. It's those that you get to avoid by introducing this. Yeah, Does so what do really you think was, um, what was happening to those trips, do you think? They just disappeared. We couldn't see those trips uh, coming in the public transport either. So those trips were like some way unnecessary trips that just disappeared or they, we can see that they uh, went other ways either. They didn't drive like around the zone or that way. So some, some parts, of course, some parts were an increase in public transport, but a, a, a larger part than we had uh, thought just disappeared, went up into nowhere. Hmm. So, um, and now we can see, like, if you, in the middle of the day, not rush hour, but in the middle of the day, half of those that do drive in through the congestion charging area are people who need their car for their work, like handicraft people or service people who have a lot of uh, tools in their cars. So there is an amount of people that really need to drive a car uh, for their work and, and they can do it. Hmm. Okay, yeah. And, and, and what, what about the addressing sort of equity concerns here? I mean, uh, my sense from having worked in this space for many years now is that, you know, the first thing you think about when you're bringing in a sort of pricing system is, you know, how are we going to address equity concerns here? And you've spoken a little bit about 
um, public transportation, um, park and ride facilities. But how how was, was the sort of oh yeah how was the conversation that, around that, that equity? Uh, how did it take place? Well, that was probably about about all uh, that that really was cons- was thought about that. Uh, for those who who, who will change uh, their habits uh, because maybe they can't afford continuing to drive with their cars because of this tax, uh, we have to offer them something else and improve the public transport. So that that was the equity issues really. There wasn't much more. There was no way of like paying back money to people some other way, or there were no other types of policies like that. Yeah, and that's one thing that strikes me about Stockholm's scheme is that it, it seems like quite a pure scheme and that there there's not many exemptions to it. Would, would that be right? Well, there are some exemptions like um, uh, uh, taxis, okay. uh, exempt, uh, clean vehicles, that is vehicles driving on alternative fuels were made exempt uh, from the beginning which was a great help in, in, in uh, increasing the numbers of vehicles driving on alternative vehicles and reducing the climate impact. So that was a very good uh, incentive for, for supporting that type of vehicles. But after a while, people felt that they were increasing so much in numbers and they were congesting the city as well. So that exemption was taken away. Foreign vehicles, uh, were also exempt because it was too complicated to have a scheme to sort of figure out their license plate numbers and and uh, uh, how to charge them. So they were exempt, but they are all, all, always a, a minority of the number of vehicles driving in the city. So there were some exemptions. Motorcycles were exempted as well. Uh, so th- that were were the exemptions. Okay, I mean, perhaps, um, presumably, motorcycles were exempt because um, they don't contribute so much to congestion. So, right. Yeah. yeah, you can say that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and that contrasts to to London, right, where there were a number of exemptions that were sustained. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and and so I mean, in in terms of you know your experience of of looking at how things went in Stockholm and and then I suppose having the benefit of watching um, as I said at the outset a, a growing number of of cities try and get a policy of this nature through um, what sort of advice would you have for those cities that are that are on this uh, on this path at the moment uh, first make sure that you well first try first and have your referendum afterwards that's number one <laughs> two make sure you have a technical system that works well uh, so you have really you don't do something uh, during a trial that's sort of just half-hearted but uh, you do it really full scale so everything does work because that's what people are going to evaluate when they go vote um, I could also say that the system has to, of course, um, reflect what you want to accomplish. We we, ha- we had different parts. Uh, yes, you when you do a p- sort of a political compromise, you have to meet different needs. Uh, 
One is to uh, improve the environment in the city, those who are, who are more interested in environmental issues. Then you want to reduce congestion, which all the people who use their vehicles also appreciate. Uh, then you want to find a way of funding infrastructure investments. So all of these together is how you balance the system. Now, even a low fee reduces traffic rather much, as we could see. London's was more than twice as expensive, but didn't, 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 didn't reduce the traffic more. It was the same 20% approximately. So to, to improve the environment, to reduce congestion, you don't need a high fee, you just need a fee. But then if you want to use the system also to fund infrastructure investments in public transport, or even in, in ring roads or things for the transport system, then of course you have to have a slightly higher fee to, uh, to collect more revenue. So, yeah, um, I presume that, that there must sort of be a, um, a sort of sweet spot there, right? Because obviously if you raise the, the price too much, then, then you're going to have more of a sort of demand response, if you like. So I, I had sort of actually wondered if a small fee, um, you know, might actually end up raising more revenue. But you're saying a, a higher fee might be better from that perspective. Well, of course, if you, if you do raise it too much, you will have so much mm. a reduction in traffic. But as we could see, even now, when we raised our fee by 40% or something like that, when we increased our fee, traffic didn't go down much more. It was still like minus 20%. I see. Yeah. So I think that there isn't so much. Sometimes you think there's a cost-demand curve that that's linear or something like mm. that. But here, here you get the 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 reduction already at a rather low fee and then it stays about the same level of course somewhere people won't afford driving in at all and, and but but uh, they can afford pretty high fees still and mm. want to drive in those who do drive in mm. and if if it's um, if it's like they have to have their car if it's handicraft people or service people then probably their company has to, will pay for the cost anyway. So, okay, yeah, it's it's different for different types of vehicles or different types of users of vehicles. And and what's the sort of process for changing the the um, the charge itself? Is that something controlled well, by in, the city in, in, or? Yep. No, in Sweden, a fee is something that you can introduce on on the people living within your own municipality. But this is something that affects the neighboring municipalities as well. Uh, so a municipality is not allowed to introduce something that affects other people in other municipalities. That has to be on the national level, and that is in Sweden considered a tax. So therefore, it is a national tax, and um, so the the uh, the system, uh, the legislation had to be a national legislation. This came out of some uh, legal studies which were done in the beginning when, when, the, when we decided we wanted to do a trial, we found out it has to be a national tax. It has also been introduced in the city of Gothenburg after this. So we have two 
two cities in, in Sweden now that have congestion taxation. And since it's a national tax, it has to be a national decision. It has to be changed by the national level. But what is decided upon by the local level, that is where you put the different tall places geographically. Ah. Where you decide the area. That is on the local level. So that's mm. what we got to decide on the local level. Okay, because that's sort of specific to the place and to where the congestion right. is at the local level. Okay, that makes sense. And the uh, the actual revenue itself, where does where does that, that comes go? into the, that comes into the national government? Uh, and uh, some people were hoping it would be sort of like put in a, a small. Uh, um, chest of its own, just used for public transport or and and road infrastructure improvements. But you, it goes into the national budget, so that's the way it's actually done now. But on the other hand, the national spending on the local infrastructure has increased in a similar amount. But there are no like. There's no specific pinpointed. Uh, uh, right, it's not hypothecated in any way. No, no, right. <clears throat> yeah, gotcha. Okay, no, that's very interesting. Um, I feel like we could <laughs> we could talk about this for a while, but I think um, we're probably nearing the end. Um, uh, Gossip, maybe I'll just sort of hand over over to you if there's any sort of final remarks you you, you want to make or. Um, uh, uh, sort of observations from your experience generally of sort of ushering congestion charging through in Sweden? I think it's a very good instrument. It, it, uh, it, it does reduce congestion and improves the flow of traffic for those who want to drive. It improves the quality in the area affected it has very many virtues, and that's what the people found out after they had tried it. So, go try it. <laughs> All right, Gustav. Hey, thanks very much. And your your final week after a, I think a an incredible career, an interesting one at that, in in, um, in City Hall Thank in you. Stockholm. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to speak with us, and uh, we wish you all the very best in retirement. Okay. Thank you very much for calling. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Infrastructure for a Better Future. To find out more about the infrastructure challenges we are facing, visit strategy.tiwahanga.govt.nz.